Welcome to Leading Collaborative Response. The purpose of this content is to explore the impact of leadership on the implementation and sustainability of collaborative response, a system-wide framework that values collaborative, action-focused responses, data-informed discussions, and timely support to ensure all students can experience success. A carefully planned and implemented collaborative response will positively support both students and teachers. Learn more about the why behind the leadership activities that establish, refine, and deepen collaborative response as a foundational framework for success. We are here because we want to build capacity in leading collaborative response within the context that you work. Great leaders build great teams because that is what every child deserves. Welcome back to Leading Collaborative Response. I'm joined today by lead learner and co-founder of Jigsaw Learning, Lorna Hewson. Hi, Lorna. Hi, Jen. Our topic today is planning for false startup. As we get into that time where there's a moment to pause with summer break coming, we know that school leaders and district leaders don't actually stop because their brains are still going. <laughs> oh, that is so true. <laughs> How do we begin planning for false startup? So Jen, that right away makes me think that we off, often talk uh, as school leaders and district leaders that we live in a world with one foot in one, one year and one foot in the next year in that May-June time. And that it is uh, a really stressful time actually for leaders because you have to try to figure out, you know, what are the things that we need to do to summarize and to finalize our year. But yet at the very same time, we're thinking about, okay, how do, how do we begin the next year? And how do we create effective plans that are going to allow us to lead in the next year? So it puts everyone in a really difficult space. And uh, one little piece of advice I would give you is, that, and we talk with new teachers about, about this too, is stop, take a moment and engage yourself in that reflective practice. You want to be able to ensure that you are pausing long enough that you can think about what's gone on, what are the things that have been successful for you in the work that you do, whether you lead a district or whether you lead a school, and really reflect, really consider what are those successes, what are the areas that we've done a lot of learning in, which sometimes comes through our challenges or, or even our mistakes uh, throughout our processes in the year. And then to think about how do we plan forward? And really taking that time rather than just jumping from finalizing all the, the uh, work that you're doing within this year and jumping right into your planning for next year, in order for you to be really effective in your next year, it would be really good to, to take that pause and to consider uh, what's going on. We encourage new teachers to take that time in reflection about how did your day go? What are the things that you're going to change? How do you move forward? And sometimes we don't even take our own advice in a bigger uh, realm of moving from one year into that next year. So you really want to be able to consider your place in your journey. And it truly, when we talk about collaborative response, we always talk about uh, the uh, depth 
that you need to reflect on in terms of collaborative response and how many places it impacts your journey as leaders. So just take that time to pause and reflect and, and really consider where are we at. In addition to that, to not only consider all of the details or the specifics of the work that you do, um, in terms of planning PD, in terms of uh, planning your team meetings, but even uh, more broadly to consider your beliefs. And this gives us a new opportunity where we get that chance to be able to step back and think about where are we at in terms of what we believe and what we put into practice for our students and for our staff. And even digging in deeply into that thinking around inclusion. So what are our beliefs around inclusion? And how do we live out an equitable system of supports for every one of our students? How do we do that for everyone? And we, I, often, I often think about New Year, new opportunity, new chance to be able to renew and revitalize uh, your work that you're doing in your system or in your school. And so how do we start our new year on that right foot and really take the chance to be able to look at what are our beliefs and how are those beliefs driving what we're doing? That chance to be able to have a renewed and refreshed outlook on, uh, on our practices. So we want to be able to think about um, what are the things that we can do that will really help us to uh, be in that space of what are our beliefs? So you can do, you can do a couple of really simple things uh, like posing that question to your team. What does it mean to be an inclusive system? What does it mean to be an inclusive school? And you might do something simple like creating a word cloud and just allows people to reflect on what is the purpose of the work that we do and how do we provide that inclusive practice? You might also take a more in-depth look into inclusive practices and um, we've taking, taken the Alberta Ed Indicators of Inclusion and created a, a bit of a, a document around those five areas um, and allows you to take a look at uh, statements that indicate that your environment is inclusive, but also taking the next step of, so what does that look like? How do we see it lived out in our school or in our district or in our current environment? What are the practical things that we are seeing and living and doing that, that uh, really live inclusive practice? Laura, you've talked about the adults in the building reflecting. How do we move forward in ensuring that the planning for fall is truly student-centered? So great question, Jen. We sometimes stay in that theoretical or the, you know, that big belief piece, 
which we need to spend some time in articulating our why, but at the same time, we need to reflect practically on how do, how do we make that real in our school? And how do we ensure that our students are cared for and understood? And knowing that, well, that is the purpose of our work. <laughs> it's all about students. So how do we take those beliefs and then live them out? So one of the ways that we can do that is really to think about, uh, give careful consideration to how do we develop positive relationships for students and taking that time to really think about what, what are the things that we should see in our building if we have effective relationships. And it might be considering what we already do to create those positive relationships with students, but what else can we do? And um, I, we have a tool that is reflections and considerations around your relationships with students and with even your colleagues. And so you might wanna take a few moments with your staff to be able to go through that tool to say, are these some of the things that we see in our school that indicate we are truly student focused and that our biggest concern is creating those relationships with students so we know them well when we know them well, we can support them well as well. Thinking about those student transition meetings that happen as part of the planning forward for fall, what are some of the highlights that you see when those are transition meetings are done well? Um, so when we think about uh, transitions, we actually, we sometimes don't. <laughs> think about transitions, which is really a, a detriment. This is also another great opportunity that we have to share learning from one teacher to another about the successes that students have had and the challenges that they've experienced. And knowing that we need to create the opportunity to have those teachers communicate. What we found in our school was that uh, for a long time, we did those transition meetings in the spring. And when we did, the, te the receiving teacher really struggled quite a bit with those meetings because they were primarily concerned with wrapping up their time with the students that they had at this point, not really thinking so much about the students that they will receive in their classroom in the, in the next year, and even more, not knowing them at all. And, and in some cases, not having an understanding beyond the name on the page of who that student is. So really thinking about when is the best time for us to be able to have those transition meetings. And it might be a consideration for the fall as opposed to uh, the spring. It might even be a few weeks into the fall, like toward the end of September, so that the receiving teacher has an opportunity to be able to really understand who that child is and then come together with the previous year teacher um, to talk about challenges, what are some of the strategies that you use that really support those students and how can I uh, make best use of that information and not starting from scratch. So that really being a strategy that allows us to really understand that student and then uh, support in moving forward. 
Um, we've created a student transition document that allows you to, and especially for the, uh, the current teacher to be able to do a quick reflection on uh, where each student is at. And then that becomes a, a nice document to share again with that uh, receiving teacher or to guide even better, <laughs> guide the conversation when those two teachers get together in the fall. You talk about some big ideas, Lorna. Beliefs, student relationships, inclusion, equity. How do school leaders and district leaders really make this happen? So I think you can guess what my answer is. <laughs> Well, the bottom line is that we can't do it alone. None of this can be done successfully uh, when adults work in isolation of each other. And um, collaborative response is really the how. Collaborative response is how we ensure that we provide an equitable opportunity for every child. Collaborative response is the, the way that we ensure our system, our school, our classroom is truly inclusive. And so we would encourage you when we talk about reflection uh, to think about the impl implementation stage that you're at with collaborative response. Uh, think about where you're at in that process. And we, we know that collaborative response is such an in-depth concept a process, a framework um, that really guides the work in schools. So again, to be able to take that time in reflection on what is your current place in collaborative response. And so of course we have a tool for that. <laughs> we have a reflection tool that allows you to consider where are we at in terms of our uh, collaborative structures and processes in terms of our data and evidence, and in terms of our continuum of support. And it's a quick reflection tool place to be able to put some notes about considerations for startup for the next year. So that would be the first place that I would go is to think overall, where are we at with each of those foundational components in collaborative response? And then, uh, consider perhaps you have already got in place a collaborative response leadership team, but if you haven't, that may be a consideration for your next year as well. And we've worked with many schools that guide this learning with a full team. So it's not just your uh, principal and assistant principal that is leading the work in your school, but Perhaps you have a couple of teachers in that team making decisions about when do we move on what part? How do we start up our collaborative team meetings? How do we engage in the conversation around data and evidence? And really thinking about what's the best timing for our school, knowing that there is no real clear starting place. It's about that consideration of where we are now, what do we currently have in place, and then how do we move forward? So first, Jen, it's that 
that overarching consideration. But then it is diving in deep into each of the components that really um, are reflective of collaborative response. So things like, uh, what are your areas of focus for next year? And you want to be able to see that alignment between district priorities and your school priorities. And then we reflect those in our planning around collaborative planning with teachers with our collaborative team meetings as well. And so guiding that uh, alignment of your areas of focus. So uh, if you're focused on reading, then reading priorities should be reflected at the district, at the school, within your three-year plan um, or your success plan, depending on what you call it. <laughs> But they also, it also should be reflected in the teacher's collaborative planning and become an area of focus within your collaborative team meetings too. So you want to be able to see that alignment all the way across. And then the tricky part, <laughs> which many people by this point in the year probably have already dealt with, is that scheduling and timetabling. So what are the teams that you have in place in your school? Who are the people on each of those teams? And the hardest part, when will each of those teams meet? And of course, our uh, case consult and our school support teams, those are a little bit easier to plan because typically it's leadership that are uh, engaged in those teams. The tricky part is having your collaborative team meeting that usually happens every four to five weeks and your collaborative planning that ideally is weekly or bi-weekly, depending on how you configure that out in your schedule. Curtis had shared in a previous podcast about timetabling and really talks about making sure that you're focusing on your big rocks as you do your scheduling. And uh, one of those big rocks is to start with your collaborative time first, rather than starting with prep time, making sure that everyone has their prep time. But the collaborative time, because you're trying to navigate a number of schedules at that one point, if you put that big rock in first, then everything else will fit in and uh, is a little bit easier to, to navigate than when sometimes we put that in last and then it becomes just a, a huge challenge uh, going forward. So another piece, Jen, to consider is your norms. And for anyone who has already been engaging in collaborative response, uh, you will have engaged the, <laughs> the development of team norms at each of your levels of teams, or perhaps you've developed a set of team norms that you use on every team across your school. But again, that idea of a new year, a new opportunity to refresh and renew that outlook. Thinking about your norms, take the time to be able to look at your norms and uh, think about what are, what are norms that we want to hold on to, that we truly believe are going to be necessary to ensure that our, we are high-functioning teams with the use of those norms. But at the same time, uh, what are other norms that we perhaps need to revise or add 
And it's a great chance in the fall as you start up new to be able to take that time to refresh and look at those norms again. What we also see with that renewal of norms is that, you know, when we start out, it usually becomes typical, practical ideas around uh, we want everyone to arrive on time. Uh, we want everyone to come prepared to the meetings. Well, those are important things. Over time, as teams develop, then they begin to reflect more of your beliefs. So it becomes norms such as uh, we'll never give up on a student. No child uh, is left unsupported. And our norms actually transition into that place of reflecting our, our beliefs about how we actually support students, which is really, uh, really powerful. And so you want to be able to create that opportunity if you don't give your staff the time to be able to uh, do that renewal then it doesn't happen because we keep moving along. And of course, when we get into our busy year, we, we don't have that opportunity to be able to refresh and renew. But your new year, the fall, is a great opportunity to do that. So outside of that, Jen, I, I could go on all day <laughs> about all the other things that you could consider going forward into a new year. But of course, we have tons and tons and tons. And and many of you would know this already because you get overwhelmed by the number of resources that we have on our website, but we definitely have a lot of support for you in our resources and our samples. Uh, we always are sharing ideas from schools and districts and how they see uh, those foundational components living out. Uh, we also have a number of blogs that really are helpful when you're, uh, especially when you're restarting things, uh, allowing your team to be able to read a blog about your layers of teams, or perhaps watch a video around a collaborative team meeting. So we've got all kinds of resources that are just there to be able to help you with that new startup. We also have a number of staff room posters that you might want to consider printing out and having available in your meeting space because they really help to guide um, and provide that visual of what is our process around key issues, around collaborative team meetings. And that clearly outlines that process. And it's a nice reminder for you. I also am gonna ask Jen to share, uh, we've got an, an article that talks about the top 10 considerations when you're implementing collaborative response. And so uh, Jen will include that in our, in our podcast. So you have that available as well. And one more piece is really taking time to consider your new staff. So if you have anyone coming new and you are well on your way uh, with collaborative response, it can be a really uh, disconcerting <laughs> place for new staff when they don't understand the foundations. So you want to be able to make sure that uh, you have a leadership meeting where you can share your ideas, the ideas, the main concepts around collaborative response, and then to share where our school is in that journey. 
You might even consider uh, joining us in some of our overview sessions. We'll have some overview sessions in the fall um, and watch for more information about that as well. Lorna, I'm just gonna bring up the new book. Uh, I know that there's been some work done about a companion to the book around a book study. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, you bet. We are so excited about our new book. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, that also becomes a great opportunity to be able to engage your staff in the foundational learnings around collaborative response. So do a book study. We have a free book study guide that has both uh, questions to consider as you go through each chapter, but there's a number of activities there as well that you can do with your staff if they read the chapter ahead of time and then engage in these activities. It's a really powerful way to do that learning together and to create the common understanding that you really want to be able to instill with your staff as you move forward with collaborative response. Um, along with that, we also have a planning tool that uh, is just free for you as well, uh, that allows you to think about uh, the planning for the fall and planning as you move into collaborative response. And again, some of those considerations that you might uh, make as you move forward. I once had a principal tell me that it was the best role that they ever had because they were the connection to all of the components, the students, the parents, the staff, the district office, and it was the most rewarding. It's also what I believe to be the most challenging because there's so many components, as you can tell from the conversation about just planning for a startup. Do you have any final thoughts for our leaders, Lorna, as they gear up for the fall? Well, I just want to say, uh, I, I am so excited about the fall and I have been feeling that same sentiment as I've been engaging with work in different districts and with different schools and leaders and district leaders that we are so looking forward to a normal year. <laughs> and I think along with that is what I've already mentioned, Jen, is that great opportunity for a new start. We are so privileged in our careers to be able to have that uh, journey from September to June, and then a chance to be able to pause and refresh ourselves, <laughs> take that rest, and to rethink um, how we move forward into that next year. And then to jump into that restart and to be encouraging and uh, start off that new year in on that positive note. How do we uh, get that renewal for our staff as we begin new? And knowing that we have new classrooms and new students and new staff to engage with, it's always that great opportunity to start something new or to further something that you've already been working toward. And in addition to that, we always need to come back to our kids, to our students, to the ones that we do this work for. And so as you engage in collaborative response, as you do your planning for your next year, always knowing that every child deserves a team, every child 
deserves your best attention. And so we wish you well as you provide that most wonderful support for students in the future. So I just want to take this chance, Jen, to wish everyone all the best in this next new school year and enjoy your summer. Really take time to relax and renew. And we are so excited to be able to see you again in the fall. Lorna, on behalf of the Jigsaw Learning Team, thank you for sharing that. That's our sentiment as a team to all of our partners, current and future. And thank you so much for taking the time to be here because I know June is a demanding time for school leaders and for you as we start helping with the planning for the fall startup with our partners. So thank you for being here. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe either on YouTube or on our podcast channel. And we look forward to seeing you again in the fall. Thanks so much, Jen. Take care.